At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the Social Psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. It's with great pleasure I have the opportunity of interviewing special guest author Elena Manns for this evening's show, Elena Manns. Elena has written a very fascinating book called Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. Many of us have had strong connections to our pets or animals in our lives, and very frequently I'm asked by people I interact with, uh, do animals have souls? Are we able to communicate with our loved ones after they pass? When I am asked that type of question, for me, logically, as an intuitive psychic medium and as an attorney, I've come to the opinion that animals have souls like everyone else. And I believe that even after an animal passes on, that they continue to remain with us. Um, Ms. Manns is an award-winning television journalist and producer. And when she got her first dog, Brio, she started to learn that Brio has a strong connection to her, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm as well. And her own spiritual path has grown since she embarked on this particular aspect of her journey, getting to understand our connection and our relationship interspecies communication with our animals and loved ones, even after death. The concept of having a pet and owning a pet as the master of that pet is antiquated and needs to be reconsidered. Man's growing curiosity about gaining an increased understanding of Brio's intelligence, emotions, and consciousness led her to become well acquainted with an animal psychic in California who described with amazing accuracy Brio's favorite walks and the author's apartment from her dog's point of view. Motivated by this experience, she produced a segment with Diane Sawyer, featuring the same psychic who describes Sawyer's country house and her dog's favorite spots in the yard. This book seeks to answer the following issues. Do animals have thoughts and feelings? Do they have consciousness, souls? Is interspecies communication possible? And can animals reincarnate? Should I introduce Miss Manns to the show? Welcome to the show. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, hello. Yes, welcome. How are you this after, this evening? I should say. I, I'm fine, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you Thanks so much for asking me. It's with great pleasure. Uh, I really respect the good part of your recent history, producing Soul Dog. I wanted to ask you what compelled you to write this story. Well, 
Uh, I'm sorry, my dog just coughed here. Um, can we start over? I'm sorry. No, no problem. No problem. I wanted sorry to ask about that. you. Uh, in, that's okay. In relation to Soul Dog, what compelled you to write this book? Well, I was uh, really kind of at the height of my career as a documentary producer, television documentary producer, and traveling a lot. And um, I had always loved animals, but really as pets, I thought on those pets under our control. And what precipitated my decision to get a puppy was uh, a near-fatal car crash on a film shoot. The car rolled over three times, and... It was a wake-up call. You know, I felt that maybe there was something more to life than just working so hard and getting into car crashes. So I decided that it would be nice to have a puppy for companionship and the unconditional love that we hear about. And I thought in my naivete that I'd get dog trainers and everything would be under control and my life wouldn't really change very much due to this, the puppy. Um, So I did bring home a standard poodle puppy and I I realized quite quickly that things were not going as I expected the uh, Brio uh, as I would later name him Brio which means in classical music like joy and spirit which actually turned out to suit him very well was very independent minded Um, he didn't obey me too much Um, he ran away from me in the park One time I fell into a boat pond trying to call him. I was walking backwards and stepped over the edge, which was very embarrassing. Um, Somebody I knew recognized me and said, oh, I thought you were the... Well, she didn't recognize me at first. She thought it was a homeless person taking a bath. So, um, but I was getting kind of desperate. Um, I did have dog trainers, but, um, and that helped, but I still felt that I couldn't really communicate with Brio that I didn't understand him and I needed some way to figure out what he was thinking and feeling. So as a journalist, you know, my research instincts um, clicked in and I had heard about people who call themselves animal psychics, animal communicators. So I did some research and found one who seemed to have a good reputation in California across the country. So I called her up out of the blue and asked her if she would read Brio for me. I didn't tell her anything except his name, and I think she asked for his breed, but that was it. I didn't say anything else about him or about me, and she turned out to give a remarkably accurate reading um, of his personality and uh, where we lived, how how the apartment seemed from his point of view, um, the streets he liked to walk on, uh, things about me. I mean, it was remarkably accurate, and that really made me sit up and think, you know, I was surprised. I frankly didn't expect all that much. But that piqued my curiosity, and that started me um, off on doing more research and talking with other animal communicators to see if they agreed with this first one about Brio. And so that was the beginning of my quest, so to speak, to explore animal telepathy and see if I could have a deeper connection with my dog. That's great. Before you had this experience with Brio, did you ever consider yourself to be an intuitive person? No, I'm not really. I mean, I maybe once in a while, but I, I didn't have any strong feeling that I was 
particularly intuitive um, in any kind of special way, and I was a big skeptic. I wasn't raised to be religious or even spiritual, and you know I was suspect of anything that couldn't be proven by confirmed empirical fact. You know, and I, I certainly you know tended not to believe anything woo-woo, quote unquote. So this was a big surprise to me. I like to say that I'm the last person in the world I thought would ever write this book or have this experience, relationship with my dog. But um, it was quite a journey. What did you find to be the most enlightening experience about your understanding of the afterlife from Brio's passing? Oh, well, that was maybe in some ways the greatest gift of all because I had, by then I was really convinced of the validity of animal communication during physical life. Um, when he passed, I didn't know. I mean, I was afraid that I wouldn't still have a connection, that the messages that came through the animal communicators that had been coming during his life would stop, um, that he was just gone somehow. But, I mean, that turned out not to be the case. Um, the messages continued um, initially through the communicators with remarkable accuracy after he passed. Like There would be reports of exactly what I was doing um, and where I was on certain days, things that you know, there's no way the animal psychic could have known. Um, and, for example, I had lunch in a smoky restaurant, which I wasn't even thinking of when I was talking to the communicator sometime later, and she reported that Brio, somehow he was there and remembers the smoky fire, and I was there eating lunch. I mean, I think that kind of message was really to let me know that he, his spirit had endured, that he really was is with me uh, and there were more profound messages you know over the years of um what was going on in my life and um um how i um could see things and manage things i mean it was it was amazing so that changed my whole perspective of course because if brio's consciousness and spirit endures that means that all living beings with consciousness that our consciousness endures also. So that's a huge change in perspective. Huge. What so I find interesting... That, I'm sorry, I've um, No, go ahead. I think go ahead. The, most, the, most, the most fascinating aspect of all this is to have a first-time experience with your puppy, Brio, and that you were able to have a paradigm shift to understand that we're not the shepherd of our animal, that we're not meant to be the master of our dog, for example, our best friend. That it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship where we learn from each other on a spiritual, physical, emotional level. And I wanted to ask you, at what point with Brio did you decide that Brio was a, a spiritual guide for you? Uh, you know, well, as, I would as you say, you know, certainly within, uh, you know, certainly within – to, he got very ill when he was eight, you know, and an energy healer, psychic, um, really gave him many more years of active life. So it was a gradual process, but I really came to see him as my teacher, you know, before this illness. I mean, there were many things that he taught me, like to stop and smell the roses, literally. He liked to go into flower shops 
and just sit there and smell. He didn't want a biscuit, you know, he didn't want attention, he just wanted to smell. And, you know, that made me just stop my crazy life and smell with him. Um, there were little things like that. And I, I really believe he did come to be my teacher. And I absolutely believe that's another main reason I wrote the book, that um, animals, our fellow animals, are sentient beings, thinking, feeling, sentient beings that are not inferior to us. They're equal, if not superior to us in some ways. Um, I mean, it's many scientists who are looking into extrasensory abilities and and non-human animals believe they um, have stronger extrasensory abilities than we do. I mean, we may have been born with it, but there's so much noise in our lives that it we kind of block it out, but, you know, we've heard the stories of wild animals who can predict tsunamis and run inland and dogs who travel thousands and thousands of miles to find their people and stories like that. I mean, they have remarkable telepathic abilities, it seems. What inspired you to reach out to the animal communicator that you did reach out to as a result of this experience? I mean, in general or... Well, in the beginning, I didn't I was, know what else to do. In the beginning. I mean, the trainers, uh, I'm sorry, what? In the beginning. I, I'm looking at chronologically, sorry. Yeah, and, and in the beginning, as I said, you know, I was desperate. You know, I, the trainers helped some, but I still just, I didn't feel connected to my dog. So, you know, I, when I read about these animal communicators, I thought, well, maybe one of them could help me understand him better. So that was the initial motivation. And then the more... <laughs> excuse me, they confirmed that, you know, they gave accurate readings and I could, I really felt they were connecting with him. And um, that convinced me more and more that they really were connected with him. And what was the, a lot of people I deal with on these kind of circumstances, like clients I work with as a medium or people who have their own spiritual experiences, Sometimes they have that aha moment, which really makes them become a believer more so than a skeptic. And I was wondering if you could describe for our audience what your aha moment was with Brio that made you really believe in this stuff beyond just, you know, passing and thinking about it to make it one of your well, life beyond, beyond when he passed over and, you know, I was convinced that he, his spirit still existed I think this illness I mentioned when he was around eight, that all the Western medical doctors said he um, had a neurological disease and wouldn't ever walk normally again, much less run. And you know, I, I, I didn't know what to do. So I, somebody I knew, a business acquaintance, knew a, another animal psychic who did long-distance energy healing. So I thought I had nothing to lose. So I called her, and, you know, the initial call, um, she was silent for some time. And then after a while, she said that she would work with him that day and a few more times, but that he didn't have anything really wrong with his spine, and that I would have my dog back, that he was going to be able to run again. And she was right. I mean, he lived to be 15, and we had many more years of active life, so... At that point, I really, you know, I didn't understand it, but I knew there was truth to whatever was going on, you know. 
Before you had this experience, did you have anyone ever convey to you their own beliefs about communicating with animals or about the afterlife? No, I didn't. I don't remember ever having a conversation about it, frankly. It seems amazing now, but I didn't. You know, it just sometimes wasn't on my I radar find, somehow. And sometimes you, it's not going to be on your radar until it happens to you directly and you experience it yourself. And words can't always describe that experience. Right. I mean, I don't know that I, you know, I wrote about it. You know, I hope it can open people's minds to considering the possible truth of all this. But I don't know that you can really totally believe it till you have the experience yourself. You know, I mean, that's the real wake-up call when you just know inside that, you know, this is real, that, you know, this uh, being that I share my life with is really communicating with me. I mean, granted, I needed translators. I mean, lately, more and more, you know, I can connect with Brio more directly, and um, it's different now. I use the communicators less. I have another dog now, and sometimes I consult them, but not as often. But um, I was very fortunate to find good communicators who, you know, I had no doubt that they connected with, with Brio, and it was just a huge support. Have you had any type of experiences in your dreams regarding Brio? Um, I mean, I've had dreams about him more when he was alive. I used to have dreams in the beginning of losing him. I think that was more when he was younger, and I was constantly afraid he was going to run off. But um, I don't – he comes to me in meditation, but not so much in dreams um, now. Um, but I do feel that I connect with him in meditation quite often. Steps did you do, did you take to develop your own abilities to communicate with Brio? Well, I mean, I became more and more interested in my own spirituality. I mean, I hate the term, but this, for lack of a better term, you know, I started exploring, you know, ways that I could meditate and, I tend not to really believe in any specific um, path. You know, I think there are many valid paths to connecting to the soul and spirit. But, I've, you know, I did find one or two teachings that helped me um, do that. And, and I've been meditating now for a number of years. But I had, before I had Brio, I had never tried it. So, um and that's been a huge help just to go into the stillness. I mean, I think that, you know, one can't really communicate with the spirit world, so to speak, if you if your mind is so busy with the materialistic world. You know, you have to try to leave that behind for a while and, and connect to another dimension. That's interesting. Do you believe that animals have telepathic abilities? that enable them to send us messages? I do. I mean, I mean, they must. I mean, I got these messages from Brio, so I, I certainly do believe that. You know, I, I don't That's, know how I, I else believe... to explain. I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, I have two parrots myself, and I always feel sometimes very connected to them, that they try, even birds try to relay messages to us, depending on if you can receive them. So I believe very oh, I totally that believe can. that. I think they, I think they want us to listen to them. I think they're always trying to figure 
out you know what we are thinking and feeling i think they so much want to connect to us so you know i you know we need to be open to that and really listen to them going through your book i was looking at some very interesting um stories that you have and i wanted to see if you could relay for our purposes your favorite experience with brio that explains your deep bond with each other that was featured in your book for our audience well in some ways i mean there were so many when he was alive just of enjoyment and and feeling this connection through you know how he seemed able to understand what i was going through via the communicators but i mean the most remarkable i suppose was actually the experience of his passing um which was so profound and also life-changing for me. Um, you know, finally got to the point, he was 15, that he couldn't really walk anymore and he was having sort of seizures and it finally seemed clear that it was time. So I just stayed with him the whole night before and the whole day before the vet came, holding him, just sitting on the floor with him. And finally the time came and the vet arrived and I had arranged to have one of the animal communicators on the telephone with me to help me through this. You know, I really just wanted to go through this with Brio. So I was holding him, and um, the vet, you know, tranquilized him first. And then um, he, of course, told me when the shot was going in. And I just, I was holding him so tightly, and I had this amazing physical experience of going through kind of a spiral up and out, almost like a centrifuge spiraling up and out. And I I felt when I was going with him somehow, and I I just kept holding him so tightly. And But then I I finally did feel that his energy had left. Uh, Actually, at the time, I didn't know what it was, his energy, but I, I did feel that he had passed somehow. And I asked Alicia, the animal communicator, what that spiraling feeling was, and she said that that's his energy um, expanding as it leaves the physical body, but in the physical body, a a being's energy is compressed, but then when it's freed, it expands outward, which made sense to me, and apparently it's not an uncommon experience, but I mean, I I was so convinced because it was a physical experience for me I, I felt it and I knew his spirit had somehow left but I mean I did have the feeling that it was out there somewhere um, but uh, I mean I, I felt it as separate from his body I felt his spirit so that was quite an amazing wanna... experience definitely one of my questions I found intriguing in, in, in reviewing your book was your discussion on pages 22 to 23 under the uh, uh, chapter entitled Wake Up Call, you talked about the research that shows how domesticated animals seem to be attuned to our body language, our feelings, and our thoughts. And I wanted just to see if you could share that a little bit with our audience. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of um, research going on at the moment about animal cognition and how attuned, you know, especially with dogs, how... um, similar to us in some ways they are. I'm just um, looking for the specific description that you're referring to. Um, 
Yeah, there was among the fascinating studies. Um, um, well, there's one funny one um, done by a researcher called Dr. Julian Kaminsky in the UK, um, who found that dogs um, are four times more likely to steal food that they've been forbidden when <laughs> the lights are out. Um, so that they they knew or know that the human can't see them with no light. So that was sort of a funny one. Um, And then there was another really interesting one, the Comparative Ethology Research Group in Hungary um, that found that dog and human brains both lit up in the voice areas of the brain, which are in similar locations in both species, um, when whining, crying, happy barks, and laughing were heard. So, you know, they're responding in very similar ways to humans. Um, and then the auditory cortex showed more activation when a happy sound was heard versus a sad one. So these are just samples of quite a few um, really fascinating brain scan studies. Um, there's another one, a neuroscientist in the U.S. at Emory University, um, also found that um, dogs um, have emotional responses very similar to humans. And it's interesting, um, the scientist Gregory Burns um, said in the interview that he his own dog had died and he wanted to know if the dog had really loved him or if it was just because he gave him food. So he did a study comparing the emotional responses of dogs to getting food or to interacting with their humans. And he um, he found that at the very least you know, they were about equal and sometimes the dogs responded more strongly to the human interaction. So um, these are just a few of the really interesting studies going on. In terms of religious beliefs surrounding animals, what are your opinions about that after having this experience with Brio? <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's there are lots of variety, you know, religious beliefs. I mean, Buddhism, for example, believes that um, dogs reincarnate. In fact, um, it's believed that, you know, humans can come back as dogs or vice versa. Um, Christianity is sort of a mixed bag, um, although most people or many people believe that Jesus Christ himself never thought that humans have dominion over animals, but there's certainly Christians who would disagree with that or argue with it. So, I mean, I'm not religious myself, so um, I don't want to criticize anybody's specific religious belief um, about animals. Um, I don't think that's helpful to try to change people's minds, Um, but I can only speak from my own direct experience, and so that's the story I'm telling. Sure. What does the term ANSI mean? A N P S I? No, that's animal. stands for animal psi or animal um, telepathy. It was coined in the uh, mid 20th century, <coughs> excuse me, by um, some of the early scientists researching um, telepathic abilities in non human animals. Um, so it was coined by a, a researcher back then. And then there was a flurry of real interest in ANSI at that time, um, early to mid-20th century, and then it kind of died out for a while, and here we are again. There's a lot of interest in it right now. Sure, absolutely. 
when I break down your experience with Brio and your research into this topic, one of the things I want to ask you about as a follow-up is, what did this particular experience with Brio help you in terms of understanding how emotions, intelligence, and the spirit of animals can teach you and others about our reason for being on this planet and our purpose? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're here to learn from each other and help each other I and mean, all beings. You know, we need, I think the big point is that we, we are connected to all beings if we open ourselves to realizing that, um, which for me, I wasn't really thinking in those terms before this experience with, with Brio. Um, I mean, it's not that I didn't love animals, certainly, but, you know, I didn't go around thinking that they're really thinking, feeling beings the way humans are. I, I thought of them as under our dominion, frankly, which pains me to admit, but it was pretty much true. I mean, even though I loved them, uh, you know, I was not really awakened to what powerful teachers and beings they are in our lives and how important it is to to listen to them, as I said, and to open up to what they have to tell us. When you certainly, the I mean, in terms of animal abuse, I mean, that's another reason. I mean, it's we've. I think there's a shift going on. I mean, there in 2012, a group of international scientists um, issued a declaration saying that um, um, the neurology and neuroscience evidence um, strongly shows that um, non-human animals have the neural substrates to have consciousness. I mean, it used to be thought that only humans had consciousness. So that was a pretty powerful shift in the scientific world. So I think, you know, things are changing, but certainly there's still much too much animal abuse. And I hope, you know, if I can contribute just one tiny drop to changing that, I would be grateful. I think that's a great undertaking to achieve. I know when I watch those commercials that come on, it just hurts, you know, so much to see animals being abused and mistreated. Uh. And uh, especially when you think of them as emotional, intelligent beings that aren't just animals without a soul. If you look at the big connection of it, it can tear into your heart to think about them going through, you know, that kind of abuse. It's just terrifying. It really is horrifying. I mean, so. I, I mean no, it's devastating. I mean, I can't, I really can hardly bring myself to watch some of it, although I know I should. But, um, you know, I don't understand how people cannot see these creatures as, as thinking and feeling. I mean, I mean, I, I guess I always did to a little, some degree, but certainly not to the point that I do now. I'm so awakened to it. But, you know, to be cruel and abusive, you know, certainly I never did that. Um, but um, I just don't understand how people can behave that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's terrifying, it really is. Tell me a little about Rupert Sheldrake and the theory of morphogenic genetic uh, fields. I know you studied that. How did that research inform your understanding of interspecies communication? Yeah, he's really the leading researcher at um, the moment um, in the field of animal extrasensory perception, which includes telepathy and um, uh, things like predicting, being able to know when their owners are coming home. He's a Cambridge University trained biologist in the UK and he's done a great deal of research um, accumulating 
evidence that um, of the strength and power of extrasensory perception in non-human animals. Um, and he has a theory that um, this communication, whether it's telepathy with another member of a dog species or with a human, that, or if it's homing pigeons being able to find their way home, that this communication is happening over something he calls morphogenetic fields, um, which is not really energy, but it's a, it's a term that comes from evolutionary biology, but it's an invisible communication field, if you will, um, that transmits the, the telepathic connections. Um, so he did um, one famous study um, about a dog who always went to the window, or almost always when his owner was headed for home, even if she was coming at an unexpected time or over a long distance, he would go to the window and wait. And Sheldrake accumulated um, a lot of evidence of you know, proving that this was a, a consistent behavior. And he's done other studies with other animals. He worked with a parrot um, who seemed to be able to communicate telepathically with her owner. That might interest you. <laughs> uh, so he's... <laughs> He, he's really the leading researcher in this field, I and mean, he, he does have Western scientific credentials. You know, he, um, he's been criticized a lot because the scientific establishment doesn't really buy into this yet. But you know, he has responded in very careful scientific terms, defending his methods. And you know, he certainly understands scientific methods and how important they are, and not to um, just report anecdotal evidence, you know, that's not controlled at all. So um, his books are really fascinating. It sounds like such a fascinating topic, especially when you think about how we're so strongly bonded to our, our pets and those we, we love. You know, I just had someone recently lose their family member. Uh, you know, they had their dog for 14 years, and they had to put um. put her down. And that, to me, reflects as strong of a connection as any loved one that we can develop a, a bond with because they share our living space with us and they are part of our living memories and our, our deep experiences. I wanted to ask you, based on all the in-depth research that you've done into this topic, how do you explain the connection between pets and their companions as you've personally witnessed your research and just in general? Well, I mean, I, in dogs in particular, I think we're somewhat wired historically to bond to humans, you know, we've evolved side by side with dogs for, you know, centuries, you know, as hunting companions or whatever. So that's maybe somewhat peculiar to dogs in that sense. But I think because they're sentient, intelligent beings and we live so closely with them, um, and as I said, I believe that they want they want to understand us. And if we are open to listening to them, you know, that fosters this bond. Um, you know, I think any real animal lover who really makes an effort to have a profound connection with a dog or a cat, um, for that matter, I have a cat also, that, you know, you, you, can't, you don't really doubt that there's that connection there. Um, there's a way of communicating that um, sometimes, um, I mean, there are studies now that dogs understand human language and in many ways um, that's another subject but 
Um, certainly they, they read our body language, and I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I think there is a telepathic connection that they can read our thoughts and feelings. And just because they don't communicate verbally like we're accustomed to doesn't mean that they don't have communication because it seems like there's some pretty strong evidence that they do in nonverbal exactly. ways. Absolutely. Looking um, Definitely. How do you what see, were you saying? I was going to ask you, in terms of our society, there seems to be a, what I like to call a renaissance right now, with understanding spiritual things that are outside mm-hmm. what we're, we've, as a society, been accustomed to. And I wanted to ask, from your experience with uh, everything that you've encountered, how would you, well, I guess what I should better phrase for you is, how do you see animals and how they're regarded by society changing in the future based upon your particular work with Soul Dog and the work of intuitives and animal communicators that you've researched? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, there's going to be more science um, building the evidence, you know, of, of how they think and feel and the telepathic abilities. Um, and the animal communicators will probably contribute to that. I mean, for example, there are dolphin researchers who strongly believe that dolphins have telepathic abilities, but they won't write about it or talk about it publicly for fear of losing their scientific credentials. And hopefully that will change over the years. So I hope and think there will be accumulating evidence with more scientists um, and researchers willing to speak up about this. Um, so certainly the scientific evidence I think will build and also legally I mean, it's certainly beginning um, the animal rights movement um, has a long way to go but it's certainly changing you know with more states passing laws protecting animal rights and I'm sure you're aware of that in different places and other countries overseas I mean it'd be great if we catch up even more here in this country but, you know, I, I do feel it's going to keep moving. How fast, you know, I can't say for sure. Um, the faster, the better. Um, you know, and certainly there's more awareness of abuse of animals and circuses and things like that. And this, this you... declaration oh, of... God. I'm sorry, I was just going to repeat that this declaration oh, of consciousness, you know, I think was an important step establishing the rights of animals um, with scientific um, evidence. You know, the the international scientists said they do have consciousness. What type of messages did you receive from Brio after passing? Well, I mean, as I said, there were specific things sort of validating um, that he actually was there, like descriptions of where he was in my apartment in spirit, with, you know, extreme detail, like of a baseboard trim. I mean, nothing I was even thinking of, you know. But, you know, as the psychics have explained to me, that that sort of message is really to convince me that he really is there. But as I also said, I mean, there were many more profound messages regarding my life, um, you know, and his faith in me, if you will, and... Um, that I would be able to come through difficulties, um, financial, for example, and I don't want to go into extreme detail, but, um, you know, stuff that I 
there's no way the communicators really could have known all these details. You know, they relayed to me that Brio did. Um, um, it's pretty amazing. It's definitely and amazing. He, I know. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so I didn't interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was going to say what fascinates me is that you uh, actually produced a film with Diane Sawyer featuring the animal psychic who helped you from California. And I was like, if you could tell us a little about that project, the name sure, of it, well, and was... good. Sure. It was called The Amazing Animal Mind, um, a show I produced for ABC. This was back a while. This was when Brio um, was quite young still. Um, and I, um, since I was working for ABC, I just persuaded them to do the show and include a segment on animal telepathy. So I flew this animal psychic from California to New York, and um, she met Diane's dog in a hotel suite. Um, and again, you know, she didn't know anything about the dog or Diane, really. I mean, of course, everybody knows, you know, she's famous, but nothing about the dog. So she went into a the bedroom of the hotel suite for a while and then came out and reported um, um, to Diane what she had heard. And one of the remarkable things was that she said that he had described feeling dizzy and scared of falling and spinning a lot. And Diane did confirm that he had fallen into a swimming pool when he was a puppy. And then, <coughs> excuse me, as part of the story, I had also videotaped the dog at Diane's home. Um, she wasn't there, and the psychic wasn't there, but uh, we taped him running around the yard, um, going around the trees um, near a stream, and also inside the house, what furniture he went around. And then uh, later I asked the psychic to describe what the dog did at his home, outside and inside, and when you run the tape against it, it was so accurate. It was right on. And when she talked about how the dog went near the stream, under the trees, and what furniture he went under in the house, it was, you know, amazingly accurate. So that was another validation. I just think from all the aspects of being able to tie this stuff together and explain it to people under one cover uh, being able to epitomize that strong dynamic of the relationship between you and your loved one as a pet, I think that's what's one of the best things about Soul Dog that people will learn as they pick up and read this book directly. To learn about their own, not only their own spiritual path, but the, as you say, a journey into the spiritual life of animals. So you get to see the reciprocity with that. It's not just our individual point of view, but understanding that while we're in charge of our loved one and animal, we can also um, change our paradigm on how they fit into our world and their importance in our life. And I think that's great. I want to thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you were going to say something. Well, th thank you. I mean, it's um, wonderful to talk to you. And, um, you know, I'm just thrilled that you like the book and it's, it's wonderful to have, be on your show. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. I know um, one of the greatest challenges sometimes is being able to have the courage to share your deeply personal experience with everyone in our, in our lives. And you've done that on such a grand scale. And I really respect that because I think it'll make it easier for someone in the future who encounters a similar experience down the road. They'll have something that they have as a point of reference to go back to and they can read about your 
experiences with Brio and draw their own relationships with their pet. And I think that's probably one of the best things about this is that you get to inspire countless others who may encounter these kind of experiences for the first time and not understand the magnitude of it. And I think that's what I like about your book is you can break that down for people. Uh, well, that means a lot. I, I really hope that that does support people um, going through similar experiences. That was a big hope of mine. So I really appreciate that. Interestingly enough, I wanted to ask you, if anyone's going through this experience and they want to pick up your book to kind of learn more about how animals fit into our lives and the spiritual role that they, they do take, what would be your, I guess, advice for any listener that hears this podcast episode and has their own direct bond or connection to their pet, their loved one, and they just started to realize for themselves that they have the strong spiritual bond with their loved one, what would be your advice to that person as they pick up your book and, and, and start to learn more about your individual personal story, but then the overall trajectory of, of how this all fits into their own life as a personal experience with their pet, but then also as society itself understands this topic well, uh, Yeah, I mean, and first of all, I'd say, you know, really start listening even more to your your dog or other animal and then try to, you know, clearly have the intention to to listen to them and understand them and make that deeper connection that's that's possible um not everybody can afford or might not want to um try an animal communicator but it can be very helpful i mean if you do do that um, i recommend that people do some research and find somebody with a good reputation um or word of mouth from somebody who's used one and trust them um and you know, talk to other dog people. Awesome. And I was amazed. I mean, I kept it really undercover for a long time. But when I did sort of open up to other dog people, I was actually amazed how many people um, have talked to animal communicators and and really are aware of uh, how beneficial they can be. Uh, people I never would have expected to be into this kind of thing. So, you know, I would say don't be afraid to. Um, judiciously, you know, open up and, um, you know, share your experiences and thoughts, and you never know, um, you may get great support and advice. I would say, too, you least expect it until someone brings it up to you as their own personal experience. And then you say, oh, well, I have my own experience with Bria. Let me tell you about it. I have a book that's out about it. Um, Exactly. (laughs) You know, it's great. I want to thank you for spending your time with us this evening, and I'm excited to encourage our audience to check out your book. I think the topic itself um, reflects something that's very pivotal for us in society, our relationship to animals and how love can circumvent species, that you can have love for your loved one as an animal or pet, and that they can communicate with us if you're open to receiving their messages. And uh, Um, if if anyone's interested in going on your site, where would you direct if somebody wants to learn about you on social media or just wanting to pick up this book and, and just learn more about your, your work in general? Sure. Well, the website for the book is www.souldogbook, S-O-U-L, dogbook, one word, dot com. And you'll find links on there to um, order it um, from major booksellers. And there's also um, news about upcoming events and um, some blogs and some photos. Um, so check it out. I really appreciate you coming on to the show. 
thank you for spending your time with us this evening. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs> you too. I encourage everyone who's listening to this episode to definitely pick up Soul Dog and to check out the level of detail that will really amaze you in terms of Helena's book and her personal experiences. Thank you for supporting our show. And at this point, I welcome you to check out all our future episodes as they become available. If you have any questions, you can definitely reach me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.